Well, at this time, Tammy's going to go upstairs, and we'll dismiss the children for some junior church. I can't believe how well-behaved they were all this morning. It uh, must have had everybody doing laps before they came, did you, Barbara? <laughs> no, we appreciate it. The uh, rest of us are going to turn to Acts chapter 2, and uh, we obviously don't have a whole lot of time and being a communion Sunday, so we're looking at some of the same verses we did from last week with, with, with some different, different thoughts. It, uh, if I was to describe just what was on my heart this week as I, I was studying through, and hopefully you grabbed a bulletin with with notes on it. Verses 40 to 47, just trying to pick words that start with S <laughs> to stick in our minds. But here we see a separating and sustaining spiritually intimate body of believers. Right? They're separating from the world, separating from their heritage the religion, I mean, what they'd always known. They're stepping away from it. They're separating from future inheritance. You know, future retirement plans. They're stepping away from community support. They're separating. But they're also sustaining themselves. And I also, I do recognize that anytime you start bringing money or physical elements, we, we have to be very, very careful because there's a lot of different views on this. But it really struck me this week that we see this spiritually intimate body of believers being able to look after their own needs. Doesn't mean that they quit all their jobs and built compounds and, and started their own Medicare system. That's not what that means. They were still very, very Jewish, right? They still had their businesses. They still had their properties. They still, I mean, just because they separated from their families, it doesn't mean that they stopped being family, <laughs> right? But they became a self-sustaining, separated assembly. Um, another word for, for ecclesia in the Greek is community, right? Jesus was trying to start a new community that had the spirit in the midst and, and, and had his purposes in front. So it's a very, very interesting. This may spark your interest, it may not, but uh, I better pray and then we'll work through some of this because it just, what does a live church look like? Like what does the, the model look like? And I don't think much of, of contemporary church models is what Jesus intended. Um, and we'll be very careful with that as well. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray that as we read through your text, um, we would be careful. We would be understanding. We would acknowledge history. Um, but Lord, we would also open your word recognizing that these words are yours. We would recognize that even as these individuals believed and were baptized. Some of them knew you personally. Lord, some of them 
Some of them had watched you be crucified. Some of them had felt the earthquake. These people were a lot closer to what you had planned than us today. Lord, I pray that we would see what you're emphasizing in this text. We would see spiritual intimacy. We would see what, what happens when, when you are in the midst of your people. Lord, and I pray that um, we would find this very, very exciting. We would find a practical application for our lives. And Lord, that we would just again continue to learn to love to learn about you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, um, again, I'm leaving for the next two weeks, so I didn't think it would be a good thing to step into chapter 3. So we're just going to look at verses 40 to 47, grasp a few thoughts from it, uh, from our notes, and uh, we should be able to do this in lots of time. So I'm just going to read down through it. I want you to think about the model. I want you to think about them separating. I want you to think about that word sustaining. Their, hand, their arms, their hands aren't out to their Roman government, not out to the Jewish government. We see Jesus from his throne providing and leading his people to look after themselves. It says, and with many other words, he, Peter speaking, testified and exhorted them. Okay, and that word parakaleo, he was calling them to his side. Very interesting word to study through. He's calling them out of Judaism, calling them out of, out of what they've always believed, what they've always understood, calling them to his side. But then you think about it. Who is Peter speaking for? Christ. The Spirit was leading him. Christ, through Peter, was calling the listener to his side. So much to be considered in this. But he testified and exhorted them. Who is the them? This is the Jews. This is the first-generation Jews. They, they, they lived with Jesus. They, they knew who he was. They heard his message. They, they'd either believed or rejected. They were part of this cursed generation. They'd watched him possibly there be crucified, and now they're here for the Feast of Pentecost. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who received his word were baptized. Right? They, they publicly identified and that day, about 3,000 souls or lives were added. Do you remember what we touched on last week? They were added to what? And I asked you to write verse 47 down there. Verse 47, the last part of that verse is, and the Lord added, okay, added, added to what? He added daily those who were being saved, right? Now, we understand that we, if you have a new King James, or King James, I imagine, too, the to the church um, is in the newer manuscripts, okay? All right, so but we know that this is talking about being saved. They're identifying, they're calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Saved from what? And that's this coming wrath, right? I don't separate it from eternal separation, right? If someone takes their last breath and they have not placed their faith in Christ, the lake of fire is their eternal destination, but in this context, if Christ returns, we read it this morning, he is coming, the nature of his return is wrath. And you need to believe to, to, to escape that and, and not be appointed to that. So he says, uh, about 3,000 souls were added, okay? They were being saved from wrath. They were being added to that. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, 
Again, just a quick word study. They continued steadfastly. That's one word, and one of the definitions was they attached themselves to. Right? Can you imagine that? That you're listening, that makes sense. The Spirit of God through the Word of God, and they're saying, I believe, and they attached themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Okay, and that prayers. It's, it's in the Greek there. It's not so much asking God for something as it is worship. It's a spirit-led connection. It's your abiding fellowship. It's you learning and becoming more and more intimate with who God is. Verse 43, then, you know, as they attach themselves to this, as they're participating in the doctrines and the fellowship and the, and then, then, fear came upon every soul. I asked that question in class this week, you know, what is this fear? And immediately, one of my students, and that would have been my response a number of years ago, well, fear is a a, a respect for God. And I'm like, that's a nice Sunday school answer, right? I think Beverly must have went downstairs. She was sitting in that class, right? Of course you have to have a respect for God, but that, that, that's a far cry from fear. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 20, says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Right? There has to be a fear. What is this fear? This fear is reading your scriptures knowing that there's an accountability, knowing that there's a day of the Lord, knowing that those who reject what Christ did on the cross, there is an eternal lake of fire waiting. Our God is love, but it always has to be balanced with justice, wrath, sin must be judged. And I believe as they continued in the the apostles' doctrine and as God knit them together, that accountability that if Christ was to return now, I would be caught doing what I'm doing. First John talks about there, whether you're found ashamed or unashamed. So that godly fear is a healthy, the more you know him, the more you're going to look at whether your life is in obedience to him or not. It says the fear came upon every soul. That's a lot. That's at least 3,000. 3,000 fearing God looking at their lives. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. What was the purpose of the, the signs and wonders? To authenticate the message, right? Christ is speaking through the apostles, and they were authenticating through, you are healed, right? You, you, you know, you get up and walk, you who are lamed, or be cured of that disease. Verse 44 says, now all who believed were, and this is kind of where this sustaining picture comes from. What does it say? They were together. It wasn't just sitting in the same room. Right? They, were, they were separating from everything they'd already, like I mean, some of that was leaving everything in your bank account because Grandpa Harold holds it and he's a Jew. <laughs> Harold's probably not a Jewish name. Abraham, Grandpa Abraham, <laughs> right? He holds all, everything you've ever worked for, your whole entire future, and you having to leave that to follow Christ your King who died for you. That's a big commitment to make. That's a huge commitment to make. It says, now all who believed were together. Okay? 
All of these have the Spirit. All of these born-again believers are together, and they had all things in common. That's a pretty big study. We can't cover that all anymore because I've been married to my wife almost seven years, and I still think we have very few things in common. We love Jesus, and we both have the Holy Spirit, but then you start thinking about common, right? Right? I mean, they had one purpose. They had one king. They had one scriptures. They had one direction, right? This was a spiritual thing. This was a spirit-led thing. They had everything together, and they had everything in common. Verse 45 says, and sold their possessions and goods. This is a spirit-led thing. Does somebody have a side note with that, and sold? My new King James has a side note because of the tense that it's in. It says, and would sell, right? Are we seeing that? As the need came up, right, they would sell. It wasn't a, let's start a compound, right? It wasn't a, like, let's make this thing weird. As needs come up, they would sell their possessions. How would you pay for Medicare? They'd sell something. How would you pay for food? How would you pay for, as the need come up, they were so together in spirit-led intimacy right? They were together. They had all things in common, not in a weird way. A need would come up and they would sell something. I think we would agree this morning that we know the difference between having friends and then really, really, really good friends. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, it'd be like, you know, I'd, 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 sell, I'd sell the farm for you. That's how close we are. And then you're like, you know, I love you, bro, but, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're not quite there. This is describing quite the church assembly, spiritually intimate family, is it not? Right, I mean, this isn't just missions giving. This isn't just committing, you know, X, Y, and Z to it. This is like, hey, you have a need, let me do this for you. Right, completely, completely foreign as we pray. So they would sell their possessions and goods and divide them or, or distribute them among all as anyone had need. Were they giving their money to the Gentiles? What's it in common? Anyone. I mean, this is, this is talking about the spiritual intimacy here in this church family, our church ecclesia family. I'm not saying that they wouldn't step out and give benevolent need to the community, but this is, this is the, the picture, the model for sustaining themselves and their needs. The Jewish people had their own system. They had their own temple system. They had their own, I'm going to call it welfare for lack of a better word, right? But Jesus here is, is, is starting a self-sustaining assembly or ecclesia here. It's a spirit-led one. The intimacy is there so that, I mean, no questions would even be asked. And you have to understand this for Acts chapter 5 to make sense. When Ananias and Sapphira sell, right, their, their, their property, and then they lie to the Spirit, right, and what happens? God kills them, right? You have to understand the spiritual side of this. Verse 46 says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple... And the breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. One of the most tense, 
hostile environments you can imagine. I mean, I mean, the Jewish government had just had three trials over Jesus and sentenced him to death. Right? It wasn't safe under Rome. They're still going to the temple. Why? Because that's where their brethren were. That's where the teaching was. That's, that's, that's where Christ had called, him, called them to go. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being, and it says, saved. So maybe we'll just get through the title this morning, <laughs> and that's okay. Right? But here we see a separating sustaining spiritually intimate body of believers i have a plea for you i was thinking this way please study this our church family has to grasp this right this idea of being spiritually so spiritually intimate that we can sustain ourselves Um, we don't have time to get through this but i do want to to bring out there that there were three thousand immediately participating in this three thousand men when they believe that Jesus is the Christ, they believe that He is at the right hand of the Father after, after dying for them, instantly we had 3,000 men going, yes, right? Spiritually connected. What must we do? We see a sustaining community being born. It'd be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Coming down to verse um, number six in our notes, um, just to collect a couple thoughts. They were spiritually unified in all things, right? And that would include just thinking through, you know, their families, their businesses, um, thinking through possessions. They were unified in their futures, right? I mean, I mean when you are together, and I think that's, that's where I'm growing this out of, uh, verse 44, now all who believed were together. I mean, that was knitting everything, like even, even for me, I'm I'm almost 40, and I'm trying to think out, okay, in 25 years, will I be able to retire? Okay, my wife laughed. I was expecting some of the others to laugh, like, yeah, good luck with that one, right? I mean, it, but, but I mean, that, that, that has to be, you still have to be a steward of that, but follow Christ, right? It's thinking through those things. They were together, business, families, future um, eternity, I mean, all these things had to be considered. I thought to myself as I read through, and this may spark, and I'm asking my church family to study this, I don't see evangelism or missions in these couple verses at the start. Right? And it's kind of like, whoa, whoa hold on, because we, we focus a lot on, on evangelism, missions, and we right, rightfully should. But can we get so focused on outward and doing things that we somehow forget how to do the most important things, the main things? I was thinking of a word that was used um, at the annual business meeting of bankruptcy. You know, and not, not to embellish that, but can we, can we get focused on the physical bankruptcy and not realize that some churches become spiritually bankrupt? Right? And, and it's a very, very common thing. I, I read a lot and I listen a lot. So it has to be a spirit, spirit-led thing. Maybe I should just read it. Um, wrote at the bottom here, Can assemblies get themselves into trouble when there is too or so much outward focus 
that they stop assessing how they are spiritually operating together in the main things. I called it religious rigor, right? Where we're doing, look at us, look at this, 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 out. And the main things of, of spiritual intimacy amongst one another, praying with one another, worshiping with one another, seeking and learning, that's not, that's not even part of that past, that priority. I said in my notes, of course, missions projects, building projects are a main one. They can be a plague as much as a blessing at times. People are given the opportunity to feel good with no desire to seek Christ, study, or pray. But it's important together. You can do it at home all you want, but, but the, that spiritual intimacy of the assembly... There's only one way that Christ knits you together, and that is doing it together. And you know when you have that spirit. You know when you have all things in common, all things together. You know, <laughs> right? There is nothing like it in the world. And that is what this assembly started on. I'm just going to send you home with that thought. There's much more that could be said. I do want to share with you just the, the one thought um, about this church, church model. Where it says they went to the temple, right? Verse 46, it says, Continuing daily with one accord, they went into the temple. I've already shared that this was, this was where their brethren were. This was the place of worship. They were going and explaining the, the prophetic fulfillments. I mean, this was the place to go even though it was tense. But it says, And breaking bread from house to house. You see that? Can you, can you get that picture? Right? From house to house. Now, I'm not against, I'm going to say I'm against the contemporary church model that doesn't seem to be working um, in 2023. Um, I'm not advocating that, you know, we just all forget the pews, forget the buildings, and we just go return to the houses. I mean, I mean this church model has a place. I wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do the ministries that we do without it. I mean, the, 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 the steeples in the, in the community, people know what we stand for. But we see this assembly. How many, how many originally? Was there three? 3,000. And I got thinking about this, right? You had 3,000 men coming to faith, being baptized, publicly identifying, okay, business, everything, I'm stepping away, and I'm going to follow Christ, and we're going to do this together. But then they start going into the temple. And they're sharing with their brethren. That's 3,000 men. How many women were attached to those 3,000 men? Not in the temple, but at home. So you got, and then how many children? You start doing, and this is where my brain starts thinking. All of a sudden you have a lot of people discipling each other, evangelizing each other. This wasn't just an apostle thing. And you do the math, and I was sharing with the worship team, I've got it down. You don't see a pastor doing this, do you? You don't see Wednesday night prayer meetings here. No, they're going house to house. The people are doing that. And you divide 3,000 men by 12, right? And I'm just thinking there, like, okay, well, maybe, maybe an apostle was leading them, right? Maybe an apostle was saying, hey, this is what we're going to do next. Okay, all of you men, follow me. Follow Matthew. Matthew's going to go do this for you. Was that the model? 
No, because, I mean, you divide 3,000 by 12, each one would have had 250 Jewish men following them, right? That's a big church of today. No, it was the people, right? The apostles were explaining it was the people going into the temple. It was the people going home to home. I, I thought about how many homes 3,000 men would represent, even with, say, their sons that are 12 and above. Let's say, let's say, like, around 2,250 homes in Jerusalem. Just, just knock 750 young boys joining their dads at temple. That's 2,250 homes almost immediately starting this community. No pastor, no prayer meeting, going to the temple to evangelize, doing it in the homes, discipling, um, biblically parenting. It's just something... They found themselves spiritually functioning and maturing. Themselves. Who's the themselves? Those 2,250 families. They were functioning. They were spiritually growing. They They would sell and look after one another. They would do it together as the Spirit leads them. That's completely different than what we see today. Right? That is completely different. Now, again, I'm not throwing out the white belt. I'm not throwing out. I'm not saying that we should all start house churches. But I'm saying this model is not what we see. That spiritual intimacy that leads the body of believers, we don't see that today. The last verse. Ah, I'm one minute over. Okay. It says, and the Lord added to the church. We know that that's in the, the, the later manuscripts. Added to those being saved. And this is how I'll close this. It says, And the Lord added, daily those being saved, Christ Himself, the vine, was adding His branches. Right? Vine, branches, He was attaching. Okay? But He doesn't force people to join in on this spiritual intimacy, does He? He doesn't force people to come in and pray with each other. He doesn't force people to come in and worship and cry and weep and counsel each other and, and study the Word together. He doesn't force that. He opens the door. People make that decision on whether to obey and participate in that. When it says the Lord added, it wasn't kicking and screaming, (laughs) right? It was saying, this is what's going on. This is what I want my church or my ecclesia to do. And people had to choose. So the words continued steadfastly or attaching themselves to. They had all things in common. They were spiritually separated from the world, from their families, from their future bank accounts. They were intimate with one another. They were unified. They were connected. Closing question. Does that describe you and your role in this church? There's a reason why I write those things on paper, so I have to say them. Does this describe you and your role in this church? Right, all those different adverbs and adjectives. And you know whether you're spiritually intimate and connected and together and have all things in common. You know whether you're participating in that or not. And I can't answer that. It's not something to go home with. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this morning. Uh, thank You for all the things that, that we've looked at from the, the time that Wayne started playing. Lord, what we've read, what we've examined, what we've participated in. And Lord, we do thank you for what you're doing, what you continue to do. Lord, I pray that 
perhaps over this March break, as, as some of our ministries have taken a pause, Lord, I pray that we would reflect. And Lord, I do pray that our church, the churches in our valley, Lord, the church as a whole, would just begin to grasp this spiritual life and intimacy that we need to have. Lord, this life is not about us. It's not about me. This life is short. But Lord, if we're not submitted to you, Lord, there's... The church is just going to continue to hurt and not be used. Lord, I pray that we would think on these things. And uh, Lord, I just pray these things in your name. Amen.